Well, without further ado, my wonderful Sunday school teacher, who I get to sit under almost every Sunday, is going to teach us tonight, Miss Beverly Parker. Good evening. Let me get set up here. I got home from work about 10 minutes after 6 and had what I thought would be enough time to print my pages off, but my printer was not online. So I'm just going to try to keep this computer awake. But I'm so excited about this word. First of all, I wanna, I'm thankful that our dear friend and brother Matt got to teach chapters 6 and 7 in Proverbs and not me. <laughs> But I'm so excited about chapters 8 and 9 because tonight we are going to get a beautiful picture of Jesus, a beautiful picture of his wisdom, and I'm so excited to share that with you. How many of you have read recently chapters 8 and 9 in Proverbs? Good. A few of us? All right. So there was a big question that jumped out at me when I was reading this, and it may, may as well you too. So where I'm going to begin... Um, Chapters 8 and 9 are poetry. Chapter 8 begins with an introduction to wisdom. The previous chapters we have studied present the consequences of choosing folly or choosing foolishness. In chapter 7, we meet a woman who will lead us to death. Chapter 8 introduces wisdom as a woman who will lead us to life. Now, ladies, before you go getting all excited... This doesn't mean that we have all the wisdom. This is figurative literature, okay? So in chapters, um, it's important to understand that the scriptures uh, here uses figures of speech as descriptives of wisdom. Like, you know how we say, or a ship, someone would say, she's a good ship. She's a big ship. Well, the ship doesn't have gender. It's not male or female, but we still refer to it that way. And that's kind of what's happening here with wisdom, okay? So I want us to begin um, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 8. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of men. We are being urged here toward wisdom, okay? Wisdom is presented to us here as standing at a crossroad. Well, what happens at the crossroad? Anybody. You have to make a choice. You're going to go on one road or the other, right? So that's how this is presented to us. There are two, two roads to choose in this chapter. We can choose folly or we can choose righteousness. And so we're called here to wisdom, to study wisdom, to taste wisdom and see that it is good. We are being, um, being urged to make a decision. What road will I choose? Verses 5 and 6 says, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Wisdom isn't just reserved for those with great intellect, right? Have you ever, have you ever said, I can't do that. I'm just not smart enough. Or 
I'm too smart to do that. Have you ever felt that way maybe? This scripture is, is calling out to everybody. It doesn't matter who you were. The scripture is going to tell us all, all of us are able to partake and encouraged to partake in the wisdom of the word of the Lord and the truth of Jesus Christ. Verses 10 and 11. Now, I'm going to, I should have said this at the beginning too. I'm not going to read every single verse in the chapter, okay? So I encourage you to go home and read both of these, both of these chapters if you haven't read them recently. I'm kind of skipping over just teeny tiny little small parts for the sake of time. So verses 10 and 11. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. There are a lot of people in the world who spend a lot of time and energy gaining worldly treasure, right? A lot of time and energy increasing wealth financially. A lot of time and energy pursuing things of value in this word in this world. The word here is teaching us that the wisdom of the Lord is even greater than anything that we can anything that we could measure here on this earth. The truth of the Lord is to be sought out and will yield an immeasurable wealth. The treasures that we work for in this world will pass away, but the truth of God endures throughout the ages from generation to generation. Verses 13 and 14. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. I want us to back up here to Proverbs chapter 1, and I want to read verse 11 to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If in 13 and 14 we learn that the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil and pride and arrogance in the way of evil and a perverted speech, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So the fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. And the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. And the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And we embrace this truth, this instruction. Then we have to understand that the things we choose to give our attention to must be governed by our fear of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about I'm afraid. You know, I'm not talking about you're afraid so you run and hide. I'm talking about holy reverence, respect for the almighty God, right? And so when our choices are governed by that respect for the Lord, by that reverence of the most high, we make choices that are righteous and holy. And that's what the scripture is pointing us to here. We are strong in the Lord when our desires and our choices are governed by the truth of the word. Amen? Amen. Verses 16 and 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasures. There is nothing we could ever gain in this world 
that can measure up to the value of wisdom, the value of the truth of the Lord. Remember, um, we talked about the woman wisdom at the beginning of the chapter, and now we see that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And this is so, I love, this has kind of been my favorite piece of this little study that I've done over the last couple of days. John, we're going to go to the New Testament, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Very familiar scripture, right? In the, wait a minute, is this regular John or first John? Because I didn't make a note. <laughs> wait a minute, what did I just say? Regular John. Okay. Listen, I transcribed all of this. I cannot verify. If I say something wrong, you're going to have to yell at me. I can't see you very well because I left my glasses at home on the counter, but yell at me. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The entirety of chapter 8 points to Jesus. And here it is, verses 23 through 31. I just love this part. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. Have you stopped to consider that Jesus delights in you? How powerful is that? Jesus delights in you. He wants to, to be close to you. He wants to protect you. What are we seeing described here? We're seeing Jesus, who was the word at the beginning with God, right? And he's talking about when the earth was formed, when everything was made, he was right there. There was perfect order. There's perfect science to it. There's discipline to it. He told the sea, you can only come this far. You know, he told the light, you, you have this dominion of the day, and then there's night for rest. Everything has a law. Everything has a boundary. And Jesus Christ was here from the beginning. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Have you stopped to consider today that Jesus wants to dwell with you? He was there at the beginning before the earth was formed. 
when things began to grow, when order was in place and people were, were living on the earth, he was there. But can you imagine his delight? Have you ever thought about while the earth, while things were being made, it was a delight to the Lord because he anticipated a relationship with us. He anticipated a love, not that had to be forced. He didn't, he didn't make us so that you're going to love me no matter what. And so we didn't have a free will. We didn't have a choice in that. But the love is sweeter because we choose to love him. When we're at the crossroads, we make a decision. I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm not, or I'm going to serve me. Because that's kind of what I feel like the crossroads is, right? I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm going to serve myself. I'm going to serve God or I'm going to serve mammon. Whatever the decision is, that's where we are. When we choose life, when we choose Jesus Christ, when we choose to love him, he delights in that. He is delighted in that. Hmm. My computer just went to sleep. Here we go. Verse 32 of Proverbs. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. I was listening to somebody recently, I don't know, in the last month or so, and they were talking about an encounter that they had had with somebody in the community. They were talking about, uh, the, I guess they were trying to share the gospel or share their hope in Jesus Christ, and the person said, how can you love a God who sends people to hell? How can you love a God who allows babies to die? How can you love a God who allows good people to get cancer or any kind of sickness and die? And the, the answer, and I'm sure all of you have heard stories similar to this. The answer was, God didn't send anybody to hell. He's never sent any person to hell. What he has done is provide a way for us to avoid damnation. What he has done is provide us a way to have a relationship with him. So I think that's a I think that's profound and something that we have to grasp a hold of because we're going to be called on at some point for apologetics to say, why do you believe what you believe? Here's why I believe, because God is a loving God. And we, because of our own choices, have made this world that we live in not a beautiful, loving world to live in. So what did God do? He sent a redeemer. He sent wisdom and righteousness so that we could still have that relationship Back in the beginning when his delight, when his delight was thinking about the people that were going to live and choose and love him, he still wants that delight. He still wants that relationship with us. Our loving God hasn't sent anybody to hell. What he did was provide us a way out of hell. And all we have to do is choose him. All we have to do is choose wisdom. Now we're going to look at chapter 9. Chapter 9 highlights the choice that we have, again, either to death or life, right? So let's look at verses 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house. 
She has hewn her seven pillars. Pay attention to this here. Pay attention to this scripture, to the detail that wisdom is described as putting into what she's preparing. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come eat my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Here, wisdom again personified as a woman, but it is Jesus. What has he done? He's prepared a place for us. I thought about Miss Connie when she was preparing for the ladies' tea. And my word, she, she really put a great effort into that. And all the people that she got to help to sign up, to do tables and those, make food, whatever. It was absolutely beautiful. But I think her intent, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Connie, her intent was to prepare a beautiful, welcoming environment for people to be able to come together, share time together, hear the word of the Lord, be encouraged, and just have a joyful, lovely time, right? This scripture here how, how is described. Wisdom, she didn't just prepare a beautiful table. She built a house, right? She has made grand preparations and then invited people to come in. The way of wisdom is the way of life. Jesus says here, let everyone come. The senseless and the simple. The foolish are invited to come in and enjoy the wealth and the life of knowledge of Christ, but not just the foolish or simple, also the wise. Um, I think it's important, and I just want to point this out here, that God calls all of us, like I said at the very beginning, you can't be not smart enough to gain the wisdom of the Lord, to understand the truth of the Lord. And you can't be too smart that you no longer need that, right? You can't be too smart that you no longer can gain and grow more in the word. So we are all invited. We are all called. Verse 9 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Wisdom has carefully thought out and prepared an acceptable and pleasing presentation of truth. And all of mankind is invited to attend to the call. I'm excited about that. I'm thankful that I have enough smartness to understand that I will never be too smart to learn of the wisdom and the truth of the Lord. And I'm thankful to know that even though I'm, I'm nowhere near the most intelligent person in this room, much less in the earth, 
that I'm never too simple that I can't learn and grow in the truth and righteousness of the Lord. And that's how abounding and that's how amazing his love and his thoughts are toward us, that he has prepared for each and every one of us all that we can have, all that we can consume, and it'll never be too much. There will always be more. There'll always be more love. There'll always be more understanding. There'll always be more wisdom. Verses, now we're going to go to verses 13 through 17. Here's the contrast. Now, remember we were talking about earlier, just a few seconds ago in the previous verses, that wisdom has prepared a beautiful house and a beautiful table. And she's compelled everyone to come in. She's put some work into this, right? Christ has put some work into preparing for us. Now let's look at verse 13 through 17. The woman of folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What is the contrast? These verses are very similar to the previous verses that we see, right? Prepare in preparation for wisdom. They're very similar. But the folly, the foolish lack wisdom. And there's another thing that kind of jumped out at me that really grabbed my attention. Preparation for wisdom, there was a lot of work that went into that, right? In this scripture, what does she do? What does it personify foolishness as doing? Sitting, yes, she's, she's fake. She said she's basically said she doesn't know anything, right? So you're right. She's sitting. She's not working. She's not up doing anything. She's sitting in the door, and then she's yelling out so loud and noisy, calling for people to come in. If you're simple, come in here. And maybe if you're a little bit intelligent, we'll do these things that you understand that what we're talking about may lead to something bad, but we're going to do it in secret. We're going to do it in private, and you can still enjoy the pleasure of it. And isn't that just a wily way of the enemy that has set himself against us and that has set himself against our God? Because God's way, the way of Christ is the way of truth and splendor and righteousness and holiness and life. But the way of foolishness, the way of folly, the way of sin is death. And we are all very familiar with this scripture that sin is pleasurable for a season. But with a, cho a choice toward foolishness, with a choice toward something that is said against God and against his word, there is a consequence to pay. There is a price to pay. And unfortunately, that price is death without the blood of Christ applied without repentance. Does that mean if I make a choice and do something foolish that I just have death to look forward to? No, because grace and mercy are abounding. His mercies are new every morning. I praise God for that because I have made mistakes. I have made poor choices, but thankfully the Holy Spirit provides that convicting power to woo us back, to draw us back to him. Why? Because he delights in the relationship that he has. He delights in the law that he has set forth to keep us safe. He delights in the law that provides life for us. Praise the name of the Lord. 
our enemy is cunning. And he wants to entice us into something that looks good and may feel good and may be good for a short season, but it is not enduring. The life is not enduring. The life actually is not there at all. It's death and poor consequences. Does the cry of foolishness sound familiar to the cry of wisdom? It does. In this scripture, it does. But we know that the consequence, we know that the the other side of that is not glorious. It's not peaceful. It's not beautiful, Miss Connie. It's not a table that we want to spend time at because it's going to turn dark and it's going to turn ugly and it's going to cause people hurt. It's going to cause us to hurt and it's going to bring darkness in our lives. Wisdom offers truth and righteousness. Foolish offers hidden pleasure, which is fleeting and leads to death. We have a cunning enemy that presents an enticing invitation, but once inside, the pleasure is brief and the experience is dark. Verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there. So she's at the door screaming for for us to come in, screaming for the children of men to come in and dine in her ugly viciousness that has been so well hidden that her guests at the end of that verse that her guests are in the depths of Sheol but she does not know that but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol here at the end of chapter 9 we find ourselves still at the crossroad right again in chapter 9 we've been presented with the choice the roads ahead the roads that we have to choose are named Righteous wisdom and foolish pleasure. And the experience found on both roads is clearly defined. Which will you choose? Now let me say, I think it's important for us as Christians to understand we don't just give our heart to the Lord and then sit down somewhere and wait for him to come or wait for death to call our name and meet him in heaven salvation was not free Jesus paid the price with his holy life God the father paid that price when he had to look away from his son who bore the sins of the world right that's his great love for us and so the choice the choice that we make is not just to Yes, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you're the son of God, and I, and I want your blood applied to my life and forgive my sins, and I'm going to sit down here and just be safe until you come back. Because we read a parable of somebody who did that with a little bit of money. They had a dollar, and they buried it in the ground while their master was gone, and when he came back, he said, where's my dollar? He said, well, it's in the ground because I was afraid, you know, if I lose it, you would kill me. And the master was displeased because there was so much he could have done with that. There's so much planting. There's so much more that he could have gained with that dollar, right? So here we are. We've been given this beautiful opportunity to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord, to experience a greater relationship with him. But there's a work that comes along with that. We can't just sit down in a chair and expect it to fall on us. If the only time I hear the word or read the word is when it's on the screen on Sunday morning, I'm going to starve to death spiritually. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to prosper. I may, what I've done essentially, if that's all I'm going to do is bury my dollar in the ground, right? 
What do I want to give to this holy God who has put such great effort and law and time and consideration and love into preparing a place for me so that he can delight in the relationship that we have? I want to give him everything that he's given me. Why? Because I know what he'll do with the little bit that I'm able to give. He will multiply it. He'll make it valuable to you, Dr. Mosier. He'll make it valuable to you, Jamie, what he's given me. And what he's given you, he will increase and make it valuable to me, to those around us. Why? Because he, it's networking, right? I reach one, you reach two, that one reaches three, and on and on. And the glory of the Lord is abounding in the earth, and revival is poured out, and people are growing in wisdom and stature before the Lord. And we become mighty instruments, mighty warriors in the hands of a mighty God when we seek out wisdom. So let's not be satisfied. We're standing, we may, tonight may be the crossroad for you. I'm looking around the room. Those of you who are close enough, I can actually make out who you are. I'm looking out through the room and I don't think I, I don't think there's one person in here who hasn't made a decision to love the Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't know, and you can't look at me and know that, that I've made a decision to pursue his wisdom, to pursue his honor, to pursue his righteousness. And I can't look at you and make that determination. But the fruit that we bear, that's, that's where we know when people are striving for the Lord. So maybe we're at a crossroad tonight where we make a decision. I'm going to continue in this being at ease in Zion, and I'm just going to sit on this chair and let somebody read the word of God to me and let somebody expound to me maybe once a week if I decide to show up on, to church on Sunday. Or we make a decision that I'm going to apply myself to the word. And I'm going to get into that word and I'm going to learn as much about the Lord as I can possibly learn. And I want to experience as much of the presence of his Holy Spirit that he will pour out on me. And the scripture tells us that those who ask for wisdom, he gives what? Freely. He pours it out on you. All you have to do is tell him that you want it. You know, sometimes reading the Bible is an intimidating thing. Have any of you ever heard somebody say, or, or maybe you remember, or you feel like you were taught when you were growing up or when you were first coming up in the Lord that, uh, gosh, you got to read all day, every day. You got to be, you got to pray and be thinking about the Lord all day, every day. And you need to read five, six, seven, eight chapters in the Bible every day. Well, I can't do that because I don't have that much time and, and, or brain power because, Reading the word and studying the word makes my brain tired. But what I am going to do is I'm going to put the effort in. What I read, even if it's just a few verses, even if it's just one chapter, or maybe I can't get enough so it's more than that for that season or for that evening or for that morning or whatever it is. Whatever I put my hand to, whatever I put my intention to toward God, he's going to increase that. And what happens for me is it gets, I'm a little bit more hungry for it for the next time. And the more I make myself available to God, the more he makes himself available through me to those around me, <clears throat> to my family, to the people that I share with, to the people in the community, and 
<clears throat> I want my work, uh, what I put my hand to, to be pleasing in his sight, right? And I don't want to be slothful and lazy and just depend on somebody else to increase my knowledge or what little bit I may have understanding of the Lord. But I want to apply that to myself because I love him that much. He prepared this amazing place for me. <clears throat> he gave his life that I could have life. And his thoughts toward me are greater than the sands on the beaches, right? Greater than the sands are his thoughts toward me. I can give him as much as I possibly can and see what he will increase and do. So that's our choice. We choose righteousness or we choose foolishness. We choose to grow or we choose to be stale and not grow. It's all our choice. Does anybody have anything they want to say or add or any questions that Dr. Mosier or a pastor might be willing to answer for you? <laughs> okay, well, I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm looking at the clock, and it's 728. And usually I have two pages for Sunday morning on Brood Awakenings, and it takes me 30 minutes to get through. And this was six pages and I got through it in however many minutes. So praise the Lord that we were able to get through the scripture. I think it's just amazing at the similarities that Job and Solomon have. And in their writings, of course, Job says, stop cheering me up to his friends. I think the King James says, miserable comforters are you all. So, <laughs> but over in chapter 32 of Job, he says, great men are not always wise. So I can think of a lot of great men and women who are not always wise. So I don't know. It's the wisdom of Proverbs and Job, the Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, just the entire word, whether you're talking about John chapter 1 or First Peter chapter 1. It's just... The more you read, the more you read. The more you pray, the more you pray. The more you seek, the more you seek. And it's like the Lord is drawing you. Solomon, Song of Solomon 1, 4 says, draw me, I will run after you. But he just gives you a little drop of the anointing. And you want more, want more, want more. So... I don't know, I, I'm just enjoying hearing the wisdom of Solomon, of Job, of Pastor, of the speakers. Uh, give it to the Lord. So, James, all of them. Lab work. Lab work, the application. <laughs> 
I know, I keep forgetting about being online and those folks can't hear me. But it is the application of what is given to us. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to hoard it up? Or are we going to share it so that we can, so that other people are introduced to life, so that other people become hungry for more of the Lord because they see something in us that's different that they want a part of. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, when I look at this scripture, uh, the very first, you know, wisdom builds her house, the, the word wisdom there is plural. So a unique perspective would be the wisdom of wisdoms. Builders' house, you know, um, the Trinity. Think think of it this way. You know, we uh, we see the parable of the, the man building his house on the sand and building his house on the rock. And then another scripture says, "Unless the Lord build the house, the labor is in vain." And I think that when you think of the Lord building his house, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, it talks about the seven pillars. We could think of the seven pillars as uh, the, the seven spirits of God. You know, we can think of the, you know, of multiple factors there that we can think of, the, the gifts of God that he gives us on the foundation of the apostles and the preachers and so on and so forth. But, but ultimately, wisdom, the Lord, builds the house. And as the Lord builds out, you know, and, and then the, the, the thing that sticks out is he repeats in uh, Proverbs chapter, the, the verse 10, chapter 8, verse 10, he repeats Proverbs 1, 7. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, I, I don't know, I, I went to Lee University and I had some amazing professors, but I remember one particular guy that made me shake in my boots, um, and that was Dr. Baldel. And, you know, I, I would I want to talk to him. And he was so, just so gracious, so kind, and so mean. <laughs> um, you know, he could tell you that you were dumb as a rock so kindly. You know, and it was, and so you, I really got to know him out of the classroom and what a gentleman what a gracious guy what an intelligent man but he wanted me it was as if i knew how ability the ability that he had and i wanted to glean from him you know even though i was shaking in my boots to think that this guy would judge me if you will by the grade letter that i got in his classroom i wanted to be a part of i wanted to sit under him and when we think of the fear of the Lord, that, that ultimately this is the one who will judge us for eternity, why would we not want to glean from him? Why would we not want to grasp a hold of everything that he can teach us? That he wants to build us. But it's, it's when we recognize this is the one that has set the standard for us to live by. This is the one that, you know, uh, we look at the standardized testing today and pass and fail. You know, this is the one who's laid out the standard test for us to live by. Why would we not want to learn from him? Why would we not want to glean from the King of kings and Lord of lords who, who wants to impart to us the wisdom that he has, and then declares, I'll be with you in the process. Think of this. As the disciples were told, don't worry about what you'll say. 
but the Spirit of the Lord will bring up those things. When we are students of God, walking in the fear of the Lord, we will want to know Him in the most holy, righteous way. And He will impart to us the things that we need for the moment. Somebody said, where the Word of God says, seek the greatest gift. And you know, we declare the greatest gift is love on many occasions. But honestly, to me, the greatest gift is the gift that is needed at the moment. And so, I pray that I'm walking in the, in the submissiveness of the Holy Spirit, sensitive to Him, that when that moment comes, that He's able to speak through me and use me in that moment. Anyway. Um, I, I was listening to a Bible teacher one time in, in real life, not online. Like I, I was their student. And um, they said, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance things that you haven't thought of for a long time as a word of encouragement or to help someone that you're talking to or, or sharing with. But if you, but he can't bring to your remembrance something that you've never read, something that you've never studied. So again, there's a measure of work that goes along with us being able to do what God has called us to do, which is go out and share the gospel in all the world, um, that we have to put our hand to that. Amen. Um, remember, August, we're, we're in this model right now. August the 16th, we will be... Um, We'll be changing the model a little bit. You'll hear you'll hear a little more about that. We, for those of you who value the um, sanctuary setting, uh, we will continue having that 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 setting. Um, we'll continue having a, a worship time at the beginning. We'll have a sanctuary time, um, a class, but we'll also have some, some break-offs uh, classes, and we're looking forward to that. So. August the 16th, you'll be seeing more uh, on that in the in the coming weeks. But um, we re- we recognize that some folks enjoy this setting, and we don't want to we don't want to take that away from the, those who value this setting. And but we do want to make sure, you know, my, as I was sitting in our staff meeting this morning, I said, you know, what is it? And Brother Mosier was there. I said, what is it that this group needs, and how can we meet that need? And that's, that's the way I want us to look at every aspect of every age group, every demographic, if you will, of our population within our church. What is it that is most needed, and how can we meet that need? You know, I, to me, the whole church paradigm of, of gathering together as a congregation shifted somewhat in the COVID season and we're still trying to identify those specific ways to effectively disciple and minister, how to bring people back in. I mean, look, guys, I'm thankful for the 25 to 35 adults who come on Wednesday night, but I'd like to see 75 to 100 adults on Wednesday night. Yeah. A week ago or so, she came to me, and she is hungering to come back to the Lord. 
and she told me that she went, it was a Wednesday night, and she was sitting around her house, and she said, I'm going to go to church somewhere. And she got dressed up. I even put a dress on. And she went to the first church she came to, and it was locked. She went to a second church Wednesday night, and it was locked. And she went home. And my heart just fell. Because I remember a day when churches were open all the time for people that's what I think the need is. I think churches need to open back up and have somebody here for those moments when that one little person is searching. Amen. That's a great word, Elon. I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm thankful for a congregation like you guys who, even through the pandemic, we we chose to be open and um, we chose to, to remain open. But at the same time, we, we do want to make sure that we are offering something effective, you know, that will affect, affect the lives of each demographic. And, and so just be praying for us to make the right decisions. And, and if you have ideas, don't be afraid to share them. If you have things that's in your heart that, I mean, you have children, grandchildren, um, you have parents, you know, what is the need that you're finding within your home and are we meeting that need and how can we meet that need? And uh, so just be willing to help us make right decisions for the future so that we can uh, better affect our young couples. That's, that's the area we're missing. We are, we, we have them, but they're absentee on Wednesday nights. I'm, you guys are young couples. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I, there are some young couples. I'm a young couple. I mean, uh, <laughs> I did get to sing with the teenagers tonight. I just want you all to know that. But anyway, I do want to make sure that are we effectively meeting that need? And uh, so, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, but I'm hearing that across the board. I think a lot of people checked out at that age group. And so that's where our youth ministry becomes so important to, to allow young people to take on responsibilities like they did tonight is what engages them and keeps them. If we hold them back and say, well, you're not ready yet, then they will find somewhere else where they'll be valued. And sadly, it's not the church. And so we need to engage our young people, our children, get them involved as soon as possible. Um, but how do we re-engage and bring back in those college-age folks that have gone on and left? That's the folks that we're missing. And so may the Lord give us wisdom because we do want to make sure that we are effective. We do want to make sure that we are uh, loving on people and making sure that they are valued and cared for. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for the words that you gave to Beverly to share with us tonight. Thank you so much, God, for the wisdom that you offer us. And I pray, Lord, that we will not rely on our, our own ambitions, 
our own desires to direct our path. But Lord, as your word declares, unless the Lord build the house, our labor is in vain. Lord, I pray that you would direct our steps. As David cried out, show me your way, O Lord. Lead me into your paths. God, show us the way. Direct us. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit. Help us to be willing to recognize when we don't do it right. Help us to be uh, willing to humble ourselves before you. To say, God, we don't have the answers, but we need you to show us the way. Father, I pray that that's not just a prayer for our church in general, but I pray that is the prayer of every person in this room. Show us the way, Lord. Lead us into your truth. God, help us to be effective for your kingdom purpose. Lord, encourage us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Such a joy to see you. Remember, where are we going to be at next Wednesday? Springbrook. Sandy Springs. Thank you. Sandy Springs. Sandy Springs Park. At the pavilion by the playground. All right. See you there. Um, those who would like to help set up, we'll be meeting there a little bit earlier. Um, you can come see myself, and I'll help direct you on that. God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you. Remember also, the last Sunday of the month, the 30th, we're going to have our unity service. It will be held at advance this time. Uh, they'll be hosting this time. So, ma'am, say that again. Oh, also, there's a parenting class. It doesn't roll through. There is, it, there's a parenting class on Monday nights. Um, it's called Setting Boundaries for Your Adult Children. And um, if, if, if you know someone that would be interested in that, or you would be interested interested in that. Jan McCoy, uh, great, um, wonderful lady, is teaching that material. Uh, we have about about eight participants in the class right now, but uh, she's willing to take on some more. Um, if you'd like to be a part of that, we we have our meal at six o'clock. We have our large group in here at seven. The small groups start at eight o'clock, and it's a one-hour class. Love you to be a part of that. Thank you, guys. God bless you. See you, Lord willing, uh, Sunday.